Welcome to On Focus, brought to you by the Focal Therapy Clinic, where we connect you with issues facing men diagnosed with prostate cancer that are little known, less understood, often avoided, and even ignored. Prostate cancer is now the most commonly diagnosed cancer in the UK, and with this somber fact comes a number of challenges and opportunities. I'm Claire Delmar. Joining me today is Elvin Box, a popular and passionate advocate for men with prostate cancer. Diagnosed in 2016, Elvin is a Movember UK ambassador and has written and campaigned extensively on a number of issues impacting men and their families as they experience a diagnosis of prostate cancer and navigate treatment options. Elvin, thank you so much for joining me today and welcome. Thank you so much, Claire. More than delighted to be here. Uh, really, really glad that you've asked me to do this. It is indeed. And it's always lovely to chat to you. So let's jump right in because I'm sure some of our listeners are wondering, what does it mean to be a passionate advocate? Can you give us a quick summary of when you were diagnosed and how you were treated? So this gives us a context for you know where you developed your campaigning and your advocacy. Yeah, sure. Diagnosis was uh, completed at the end of June uh, mm -hmm. in 2016. Uh, it's quite long and, and fraught, which I try to get across to people when I, when I do talks, is that it kicked off in the February. Mm -hmm. And I, I was uh, extraordinarily lucky. I, every two years I was going for my health check with my private health insurer. And I was uh, instructed to go and see my GP. But I didn't read the report. And when I got to see the GP, I thought we were going to talk about, because I had a bit, quite a high blood pressure. So mm -hmm. no, 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 no. For the second time in two years, uh, your PSA, which we all know is, of course, the only blood test you can have uh, for prostate cancer. Mm -hmm. it's, it's elevated again. Okay. And so I said, well, that's all right. It's a useless test, isn't it? And she was really, really sweet. She got, no, no, no. That's what you heard before two years ago. Two years ago, I'd been told it was elevated, told it was rubbish, but she was adamant. And uh, so off I went and uh, to see a urologist because I was on private medical health very, very quickly after going through an MRI scan, then an absolutely brilliant biopsy with the same chap. Mm -hmm. um, very sadly, it is, it is cancer. Uh, a very morbid time because I had to have um, a, uh, another scan to see if it had gone to the bones. Uh, and that was good news. No, it hadn't gone to the bones. But please, will you hurry up? Because uh, I don't think it's going to stay within your prostate much longer. Okay. Two options. You can either go and see uh, the lovely people at uh, Romford, go for three-year uh, radio uh, therapy program and um, obviously as my wife said you're going to be uh, chemically castrated because you have to reduce your testosterone levels yeah, yeah. or uh, go and see um, the lovely people at the um, Princess Grace and have a robotic prostectomy mm -hmm. uh, a radical prostectomy so that's, mm -hmm. a, I think that's complete and uh, that's what uh, my wife and I decided uh, okay okay uh, we decided about two weeks before I was, you know, had an opportunity to go for the operation. We said we'll do that. And that was it. I hope I've described that okay quickly enough for you and enough detail. Yep. No, that gives yep. the, the detail. So that was all in 2016. So it's been yes. five years. You've written extensively about a number of things going forward that that you learned from your own experience that you'd like to share. And one of them was, was your recovery and what you learned, what what surprised you, what you expected, and you know what was most impactful to you and your partner. Can you discuss some of these? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. I knew there would be a level of incontinence. Uh, I knew there'd be a level of impotence. So that meant there was going to be a lot of we around and uh, it would mean there'd be a bit of a fight to get your erections back. I was told that much. I didn't realise, nobody actually said that um, you wouldn't be able to produce semen again. Mm -hmm. You know, I just didn't know that. Right. And, you know, you're not going to be able to ejaculate again. And that's stark, you know, blimey. 
Also, I wasn't aware of any impact on my mental health. I didn't put two and two together, nor did my good lady. Now, mm -hmm. my Jude, uh, she, you know, she scoured the web for information because I didn't want to look, quite honestly. Now, that's a really important point. I mean, I've often said to people, you know, when they're looking online, as they're often, you know, kind of referred to do, it's not like you're in the frame of mind where you're looking for a holiday or, you know, buying a new car. I mean, you're in a very different um, emotional state and, and to receive this information, aren't you? It's, it's scary. You yeah, know, it yeah. is scary. It, definitely the lead up to being told it's cancer mm. was horrendous. Mm -hmm. and, and the worst period was wait to find out if it got out of the prostate. Of course. That, that was the worst. The impact, nobody said anything. About, you know, you're going to get nuts with this elf. Yeah, yeah. You know, so uh, the first eight weeks, I was a model, you know, the model patient. Mm -hmm. Now, I project managed my recovery. <laughs> honestly, I, honestly, I, honestly, I did. I should, I should, I should mention to our, our listeners that you're a um, construction man, so project management comes quite naturally to you after how many decades of doing that? Oh, yeah, yeah, lots. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Just imagine you had a spreadsheet and all kinds of models for this. But anyway, do, do continue. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. So, you know, I, uh, for, uh, I knew what I could do, what I could do, because to, to be fair to – can I say my surgeon's name? Would that be all right? Yeah, of course. Yeah, Declan, Declan Carhill. Mm -hmm. uh, is my mm -hmm. hero. Yeah, mm -hmm. and um, he, he, was, he was brilliant because he stayed in contact with me for those first eight weeks. And I would email good. him uh, and say, look, I want to do this. I'm feeling this. Um, because you must <laughs> uh, let you know what uh, Jude thought was brilliantly funny mm -hmm. was that uh, my testicles felt they were like coconuts, about the same sort of like texture, everything. <laughs> <laughs> so that that was not something you expected. No, nobody somebody said there might be. I said, but not like this. That's crazy. I mean, one of the things about talking to you is that you know, you speak and, and, you know, you've written so so generously and, and openly and extremely honestly about a number of these topics that have emerged from your own experience with prostate cancer. And that includes mental health, which you're touching on and, and sexual relationships. I mean, so what message are you trying to communicate, you know, to to other men and, you know, in your role as ambassador for Movember and, and, and how have they impacted some of these people? The first and uh, foremost message I want to get across to all of them each and every time I meet them, and hopefully uh, there'll be, uh, as now, any mm -hmm. any and every gender in the room, mm -hmm. any and every gender in the room. Mm -hmm. And uh, um, as, as Jude said, you've got to tell him of that you are not um, an archetypical uh, prostate cancer survivor. You tell him, Elf, you know, your cousin said you never looked fitter. Yeah. You know, you've never been stronger. Yeah. And you've never been healthier. Mm hmm which doesn't happen a lot. Yeah. And uh, so what I have to say is that this is luck. I want you to be luckier. I want you to be so much more luckier than me. Yeah. And I sort of like, and I ponder about it, what the hell is that's all about? And then uh, <laughs> what I, I do is that I go through uh, not just my story. Mm -hmm. um, uh, most important thing, I need them to understand that this is what it's all about. So, you know, I, I've got some uh, lovely diagrams, and stuff like that, and photographs and everything. So this is what prostate cancer is. Mm -hmm. This is it. Then uh, I explain my story against that, my experience. Uh, but sadly, I, I have other stories to tell now of mm -hmm. uh, Peter Cuthbert, um, a wonderful guy. He had exactly the same operation as me. He had the operation four years before me. It didn't work. Um, and so I, I tell people now that sadly after an eight-year fight, Peter sadly passed of prostate cancer. And you also have to understand how difficult it is to, to diagnose in any way, so just even to identify it. 
this is one of the, like, the impacts, if like, I've got two stories about the impacts I have, which, which I'm really, really, really grateful for. Mm-hmm. Rob phoned me up from his hospital bed. And he said, look, I'm in uh, Kingston Hospital. Um, I've been diagnosed with prostate cancer. Uh, they've told me it's because um, I had some bone marrow get into my kidneys. That's why my kidneys failed. That's why I'm in hospital. And they said, you haven't got ligament trouble. You've actually got an erosion of your bone in the back of your knee because that's where the prostate cancer is now attacking you. And so okay. I explained to everybody, so look, I, I knew yeah. uh, that this was, Rob was in a really bad way. I yeah. knew he was in a really bad way. I, it wasn't for me to make that diagnosis. I, I, let, I leave that with his consultant. Indeed. Mm. And um, uh, Rob, only, last eight, only lasted eight months. Given some of your experience of the people you've impacted and, and of course, your own, I mean, what, what aspects of prostate cancer diagnostics and treatment um, in, in the UK, obviously, do you see as particularly urgent for attention from government yeah. or the medical community? Is there anything that yeah. screams out at you or that you feel particularly strongly about? Very. Yeah. Now, number one, I don't want any more argument um, about who should and who shouldn't and when, if you can have one, have a PSA. Everybody who knows me, I, I do it talks, I do it on tweets, social media. I, I, I go on and on and on about this, you know, wherever it is possible to do so. Now, wherever I can, I let people know is that you, as a person with a prostate, as I now say, you should be allowed to have, without any shadow of a doubt, a PSA from the age of 50. And Mm -hmm. obviously what I'm uh, antagonised by is that you need one from the age of 40. Mm. You know, I believe, and and, uh, also I've had it on really, really uh, good uh, authority, is that, um, listen, it could take 10 years, um, the the tumour in a prostate could take 10 years to actually evolve and actually get aggressive. Mm, yeah, so you know, PSA is, you think that's, it's really important. Um, oh, yeah, yeah, you must have the PSA. You've got to have a PSA. Mm-hmm. And the second thing is that I say to guys is that, and, and anybody who listens to me now, yeah. is that once that's been had, you must, if there's any concern, give the guy, or sorry, sorry, the person with the prostate, yeah, yeah. give them an MRI scan. Give are, them you, a are, scan. You, are you seeing that not happening? Is that why you feel so strongly about that? Oh, absolutely. You are, yeah. Yeah, mm. absolutely. You know, mm-hmm. um, my, another great mate, Peter Coke, a great guy, he, he got in contact with me uh, a, a year after, a year after um, I'd had my operation. Mm-hmm. And um, we went through it. And, you know, I said to him, did, did they give you a scan? Yeah. He said, no. So I said, yeah. well, okay. And, and then, what, so, year, what year was that? That was the year later, 2017. Right. We actually operated yeah. on in 2018. Okay. But at the yeah. end of 2017, he was uh, in bits, yeah. basically. He wasn't sure what else was. Well, okay. So I said, well, uh, make sure that they give you a transperineal biopsy. Yeah. Uh, I said, because that's, that's absolutely, that's really great. You know, mm-hmm. I, I, mm-hmm. when I did it under private, uh, I was um, general anesthetic. Do you find that men are really, you know, very receptive to this because they wouldn't be told otherwise? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. It's simplicity itself. Yeah. One of the things I was getting upset with is that when the medical profession were talking to me, even, even though I like to think I'm an intelligent bloke, you know, I've got a master's degree, I had to come out and with like from June and say, did that mean, you know, for instance, does that mean you can't get any erection? Does it mean you don't want sex? 
Yeah. yeah, because, no, yeah. You know, I don't really want to be listening to this mm-hmm. and he's struggling all the time. That's why having Jude, by the way, it's another big, big thing. You must take your partner or yeah. one of your partners. It's someone you love or mm-hmm. loves you when yeah. you like this because you're not going to hear this. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. I've told people it took me three times to tell me it was life-threatening mm-hmm. before actually it sunk. Well, actually, I didn't even a third time. It was Jude said three times. Oh, fine, are you listening? No, yeah. it's not going yeah. in. Yeah, it's so, really interesting. Yes, yeah, so I said, I, I, you know, the player said, you've got to have that. And, and, and unfortunately, um, he had one of these uh, truth biopsies. It's absolutely ridiculous. You know, uh, all they give you is a, a local anaesthetic. And the player said, it was an absolute damn agony. Yeah. And I said, well, I'm yeah. not happy with that, Peter, because when you get a scan, they're going to be actually knowing where there yeah. is potentially tumour. So I yeah. said, okay, that, that's not happened. And then I said, whatever happens, make sure they give you a, a, a scan so they, if they anywhere believe it might be out of uh, your prostate, you've got to have another scan to make sure it hasn't gone to your bones. Yeah, yeah. Uh, which you didn't get. So, I mean, you're right. I mean, what you're saying is, you know, to be honest, is, is often seen as the standard of care here. But yeah. what you're also saying is that it, it isn't actually offered you know, across the board to everyone and in every place. And, and as you say, people need to be informed and empowered to ask. So, so how are you integrating these issues like, you know, the MRI, like the, the transperineal biopsy, like the, the sexual health issues, like bringing your partner? How are you integrating these into your lobbying agenda? What I'm trying to do, and it's going to probably take, uh, do more of it now to get to the second part of this year. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm absolutely determined through... Wonderful people like you, Claire, give me, give me the oxygen of publicity in any way, shape or form. Um, so, and I get a good uh, support from Movember because they know I'll speak wholeheartedly mm-hmm, about mm-hmm. the situation. Mm-hmm. And um, I'm also, I do have some people I know who are good at lobbying. You know, mm-hmm. that's why I'm going to go and ask from the experts because, you know, I'm absolutely adamant is that nobody should downward die of this. It's, you know, you know I, 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 I'm at lengths to people to say, I want you to understand that, yes, for God's sake, please don't tell me I'm lucky to be alive. Don't you think I know that? Yeah. For God's sake, can't you see it in my face and my voice? And yeah. Yeah. I yeah. know I'm lucky. Twice mm-hmm. I'm lucky. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's why I want to make sure that nobody dies of a tumour inside a gland that's not much bigger than a golf ball, you know, <laughs> an orange at best. You know? <laughs> you're, not using, you're not using the term walnut, which is what we normally hear. Yeah. <laughs> it's absolutely ridiculous. There is every opportunity. Please don't go on to me any more about screening programs. I never said I wanted a screening program. All I'm asking for is to give somebody, number one, they've got to have a PSA test at 40. Yeah. 40. They'll allow one every year for crying out loud and remind them, do some adverts about this damn thing. And when they've done that and you think it's, then you give them an MRI scan and -hmm. you make sure that you give them a transperineal. I don't want any more of these uh, trust biopsies. And you make sure that nobody ever, ever, ever does uh, open surgery again. You know, as of tomorrow, you dare to open surgery on a person uh, with prostate cancer because you'll have no chance of um, saving the nerves that give uh, that person with the prostate an erection again. They're flawed. That's mm-hmm. it. Mm-hmm. You probably do irreparable damage also to their continents. I'm not yeah. having it, player. It's yeah. absolutely outrageous. Well, I mean, you're you're hitting the right the right issues, and you know, it's people like you that that have to really cut through because, um, you know, as you say, men are often too afraid or too you know traumatized initially to to even ask. So, 
So thank you for that. I mean, I think we'll have to do another one of these um, conversations because I know you've got a lot to say. Um, <laughs> I, I want to thank you so much for speaking with me because it's, it's always such a pleasure to talk to you. And I, and I really wanted to share this with our listeners. So um, thanks again, Alvin. It's been really wonderful having you here. Claire, thank you. Uh, I'm really, really grateful. And it's been wonderful fun talking to you. Thank you so much. Fabulous. So we'll, we'll talk again. Further information on Elvin and links to his work with Movember UK is on our website, along with the transcript of this interview and additional interviews and stories about men who are living with prostate cancer. Please visit www.thefocaltherapyclinic.co.uk. Thanks for listening. And for me, Claire Delmar, see you next time. <laughs>